Ben Jowalski, what's going on? John Woolley, it is official. I have elk blood on my hands. Well, I don't even know what the hell that means. You killed an elk? Yep, it was rifle season over Thanksgiving, and I was successful. And I will. I have a couple hundred pounds of of the healthiest meat in the world. Good. Send me some. And so, actually, Tom, my uh, training partner, Tom's going to say, "Give me some," to, or so he says. I don't know if he's watching. Yeah, this. He's, and he has way more than I do. So, so you just <laughs> have to rely on Tom for that. I need some, dude. I need uh, I need some free organic meat. Yeah. I just, I need someone to help me come cook it. So if anyone's really good at cooking, uh, come help me cook it. Actually shout out to Tyler. Um, I think we met, I told you that I met uh, a listener of scale and bail at the local archery shop, um, this summer. And he took me fly fishing cause he's a professional fly fisherman. Well, he also used to be an executive chef at a like five-star establishment. And I was texting the other day and I think I'm going over sometime this week and he's going to cook up the heart and some liver and some other, you know, he's just going to tell me what to bring and then teach me how to cook it because he really knows what he's doing apparently. So I love it. I love it. That's great. Good for you. So if any other listeners want some elk meat, uh, the only, the only trade-off is that I get to eat what you cook. And you get to eat what you cook, but I just have to see and understand how you cook it amazingly. And uh, then I'll trade trade some elk meat. You know, you should invite over as our buddy Dave Kalina. I ran into him this week. He was here in Cleveland. He's a good dude. I should invite him over. Does he know you how should. to cook elk meat? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Dave's an entrepreneur, dude. He knows how to do everything. Yeah. Uh, at a minimum, he'll bring you some O2. Come on. Yeah. He's he's a good dude. We for a living as close to each other as we do. We we certainly don't hang out enough, but I'll hit him up. He and I went up to uh, CrossFit Mentality and did fight gone bad together. It was nice. Fun. Went and hung out with Scott Pancheck. That was uh, if you've never had a chance to do a, a workout being coached by a games athlete, that's always a hoot, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. Scott and I actually, yeah, I mentioned we almost went into business together uh, a little while ago. Um, it ended up not working out just because, honestly, because I was way too busy to try to launch a, another business. Right. But, uh, but yeah, he's a great guy. And uh, yeah, and I know right, actually right when we were in the middle of it, he had that, you know, that the injury scandal thing where they didn't trim the ropes and right. all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, Scott is a great dude. It's funny. He had, uh, he had messaged me and was like, um, I don't know. I'd commented on one of his posts or something. He's like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. You should come and do fight gone bad with us after Thanksgiving. So I'm like, all right. So, uh, Dave ended up being in town. So I'm like, Hey, do you care if Dave shows? He's like, absolutely not. So we, we roll up there. First thing, if you've never been to mentality place is gorgeous, dude. Like I'll tell you something that's always interests me about Scott being a games athlete. He's always views himself as being a, a gym owner first and a games athlete second, which is a really interesting mindset mm-hmm. for a competitor. And his gym is spotless. I mean, gorgeous, dude. Like, you could eat off the floors. Like, the place is just really, really clean, and the equipment's brand new, and it's just beautiful. And, you know, he's been there for a decade, you know. Yeah. So, nice. you know, kudos to him to just run in a really good shop. But uh, I knew we were doing Fight Gone Bad. So I foolishly looked up my previous scores thinking, all right, well, I probably don't have a good Fight Gone Bad score, and I'll go in there and crush it and set a PR and feel really good about myself. And I go and look, and when I find the post, it was an old Instagram post I'd done on my private page, and it was just a picture of the PR bell from Mentality. Apparently, I'd done it a couple of years ago at Mentality and had PR'd it then. I'm like, damn it! Now I gotta like actually go hard, like I gotta actually work at this. I was just hoping to go in for a number that I knew I could beat, like an old number that I know I'm fitter than, and that was not the case. So I actually had to use some strategy. And, and did uh, you beat it? By a lot, actually. There you go. Uh, yeah, my previous score was three eleven. I scored three forty nine on this one. Nice. I admittedly do not know what a good fight combat score is, but I'm sure it's great. Good job, John. <laughs> well, for the for those listening, let's go through it because there's an, a, a kind of a way to scale it or a way to game it. If anyone comes up against fight combat, we give them the tip. So it's basically yeah. it's three rounds. You get one minute at each station. So there's five stations, and you'll have one minute of rest in between rounds. First station, 
I can remember these in the right order. Uh, first one is wall balls. So uh, typical wall ball, 20 pounds for men, 14 for women, um, to a 10-foot or a 9-foot target, respectively. When you finish that minute, you move to um, – see, I forgot the second movement. I want to say it was sumo deadlifts is the mm-hmm. second one, 75 pounds. So you have a one minute to do as many sumo deadlifts as you can. Sumo deadlifts, high pulls, right? High pulls, yep. God, I wish they, there was no high pull. It would be so much easier. My score would be so much higher. Um, then the third movement is box jumps, a 20-inch box jump, which is interesting. So for the men, I think it's 18 for the women. Uh, fourth movement is uh, push press. Again, 75 pounds. Fifth mm-hmm. movement is calorie row. And you get a one-minute break because you have one-minute rest at the end of the row anyway, and you can row right up to the end of the minute and still get as many points as possible. Right. Yeah, not all reps there are created equal. It's like what? where are the reps that you can accumulate them quicker? Those are the minutes you really, really, really need to maximize. And then, like you said, the slower the slower rep count movements are, are ones that, I mean, you don't necessarily need to burn out as much. Like if you don't row that hard – and you save energy for all the other movements, uh, you'll be pretty fast. Or you're going to get um, Yeah, and so that was the exact mindset I went to. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do kind of max rep wall balls as much as I can because you can get a lot of points there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll try to maintain kind of an even pace on the sumos because it's not a good movement for me. And I'll recover on the box jumps because there's only so fast you can go and I'm not going to rebound. Just not worth it. But I'll get as many points as I can. Yeah, for me, push press is clearly where you get all the points. Like that, I mean, the push. If you put the bar down there in the push press, that's your. I'd rather see someone rest for fifteen minutes on the rower. Like, if every rep is created equal, then maximizing the push press because the cycle time on that is so fast. Same with the twenty-inch box jumps, so fast, and then you have a few slower movements in there. Right. Yeah, it's a fun workout. It's, it'll it'll exhaust you though. It's kind of like Fran. It's weird that way. And like, you know, it's only fifteen minutes worth of work, and you have you know built in rest time. And then when it's over, like the longer you're away from it, the more tired you get. <laughs> you know, like you get that. Mm-hmm. About ten minutes afterwards, man, I was just done. And I mean done. I couldn't do anything. I just had to go home and lay on the couch. I was just you know, and it was only fifteen minutes. Like it's just exhausting. I don't know what's different about you know putting those movements together that just crush it. Do you have any sense of why that is? Is that a central nervous thing or any any guesses? Because I have no clue. I think all it is is the like when you have a really really high intensity period. Um, your body won't necessarily catch up to that exhaustion until a little bit after the effort is done. And with fight on bad, like, I mean, there's probably a couple instances of that, but like you're, you're going as hard as you can very, very fast. Um, so you don't necessarily have time to feel tired. It's like similar to Fran, it's like Fran takes you, let's say three, four minutes, you know, you don't necessarily feel the tiredness in that three to four minutes, but right afterwards you start to decline rapidly. Same thing if you did like an assault bike sprint. If I said do 30 seconds as hard as you possibly can on an assault bike uh, by second 20, you're still fine because you're still in the zone. Your body hasn't caught up to the fact that you are in major pain. And then, you know, <laughs> right. a couple minutes after that effort, you're lying on the floor exhausted, you know, like trying not to vomit. So it's like, it's, I don't know the specific science behind it. I just know that, with extremely high intensity, short bursts of energy. Normally you don't, you don't feel it quote unquote until, you know, a significant time has passed. Yeah. It's an interesting feeling doing that one in a class because everybody's doing the same movements, same stations. And it's all, I mean, I guess you could consider, you know, every movement's an AMRAP. So mm-hmm. you really have no idea where everybody else is, whether nope. you're beating them or not. It's really, it's it, mentally, it's a you're only competing against yourself. Well, That's I mean, if you, you can see everybody else's scores, of course. I mean, if you just if you're stalking, I mean, you definitely can't really tell on the row, but 
you know, hey, if someone drops the wall ball and I keep going, right, you, you can kind of do the math there. And then same thing with the with the barbell. You know, if you put the barbell down and rest, then, you know, the, you can rack up reps on people. But if you're in a gym or if you're working out with people and you are putting the barbell down, picking it back up and having to take breaks in these one-minute sets, then, yeah, it's uh, it's very difficult to, to game because you don't know where people are because it's just a bunch of AMRAPs. You make an interesting point. We should talk about that because um, I was talking to my coaches about this. And with the open coming up, we're likely to see some of these movements. Like these are very popular movements that show up in the open, wall balls being one of them. And I mentioned to my coaches how proud I was of myself when it was over. Like I was kind of – I always go back after a workout and look at my score and see where could I have scored better. You know, did I have flubs? Did I – you know, what did I do that was good, what was bad? And the thing I was uh, telling them that I was proud of is in the wall ball section, I would hear wall balls dropping around me and I'd still be going, you know? And so I knew I was picking up points, even though I couldn't see anybody else's points. And that's a really interesting cue to think about when you're, you know, in a you know, competitive situation of knowing how you're doing and trying to measure that against your own ability to continue to give output because there's obviously a balance where you can keep going and listen to those wall balls dropping all day long until you're just exhausted and then you can't do anything, you know? Yeah. Um, do you, do you ever do that? Do you like listen for other people's barbells or do you only plan out your own? Oh yeah. I mean, every time I go to the gym, I'm trying to beat everybody. I mean, that's, it's definitely, it's something that is probably more of a problem than it is, you know, a strategy. Is it a problem? Uh, I mean, it, it can be for me because uh, I sometimes will will put forth effort that, you know, like, for instance, I just spent six or seven days essentially just sitting around because um, this this style of hunting that I did last week wasn't necessarily highly intense. It was a lot of waiting, not as much walking and hiking. So I know that when I go back to the gym, I'm going to like – I, if I go hundred percent, I'm going to be really freaking sore on the back end, but all it takes is for like one or two other people in the class to be like right with me in a Metcon or in a strength portion. And I'm like, I have to win. And it's just like, it's ingrained in me. Um, so rather than being smart and being like, Hey, you know, I'll ease back into things. I'm not going to push it too hard. There's definitely some times where I come back after sitting on the bench for a while. And I immediately think that I can, you know, beat everyone so for me i think that the that innate competitive nature uh isn't always beneficial but it's i mean that's it's one of the reasons why crossfit is so effective in terms of a training methodology is because when people go to the gym to planet fitness and they do backs and by you know back and biceps and you know, elliptical machine or whatever it, there's no measurement against other people they kind of just looking around trying not to look silly and you know well, there's the pose measurement where you have to get in front of the mirror and give one of these right like, trying to try not to talk to people with headphones do it, like pretending like, to do it like but, trying to yeah, the gym, you have this social element of people who are like everyone's doing the same workout there's the same time domain the same rx right. standards so it makes it a beautiful um situation where people are like whoa like if that person's going that fast i can do this and it just that competition is what makes crossfit great so it's one of those double-edged swords, I think. Well, forget where you're at currently. Well, I guess what I'm asking is, so let's imagine you're going in to do a workout and it's a competitive, you know, you're in a competitive wide, other people in the room and uh, whatever the barbell movement is, it's irrelevant, but you've decided your rep scheme going in. All right. And let's just say for the sake of this argument, you're going to do two sets of fives and you got to do 10 in a row. And you do your first set of five, but you haven't heard other barbells dropping yet. Other people are doing sets of 10. Will you change your rep scheme mid-wad even though you went in with a plan? Or will you stick your plan out to see if it is going to work? I almost always stick to my plan because for the most part, I <coughs> I am someone who – for the most part, I'm someone who uh, – has a much better grasp on, on how to get the best score in the workout compared to a lot of people, to be quite honest. Um, and then and a lot of times I, I realize, especially in workouts with a heavy barbell, a lot of people will come out of the gate way too hot. 
And I'm very good at, at controlling my efforts so that I don't burn out too much. So unless it's a workout, unless it's like a really fast workout and I'm like, Oh snap, you know, other people are holding on. I need to hold on too. for the most part. I'm going to ignore everyone, especially in the earlier rounds. And I'm going to stick to my rep scheme. And in that example, I would always do six and four. I would never do five and five ever. I never split. Wow. Down. It was a hypothetical scenario, Ben. Was yeah, it I mean, enough? well, hypothetically, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I agree with you. I wouldn't. I also would not do five and five. I was just throwing it out there. I I was guilty of that in the early days of following the crowd. You know, oh my God, everybody else is dropping. I should be dropping, or no one's dropping. I shouldn't be dropping. You know. Yeah. Um, the harder place for me was never barbell movements. It was always like gymnastics movements, handstand push-ups, um, pull-ups toes to bar, you know, cause you know, people that are really good at gymnastics can do huge numbers in those things, particularly like toes to bars that won this really big deal early on. I mean, I, we talked about this a few episodes ago where I've made that mistake recently thinking I could hold on to a set of 20, which I could for one set and then, right. and then your world falls apart. You know? Yeah. So I think there's certainly uh, something to be said for like doing these workouts and seeing what rep schemes you can do and then logging that information. So you know what you should come up with when the open comes around. You don't make that mistake live head to head because that, the open makes people do dumb shit all mm-hmm. the time. Dumb choices right on the spot. Like oh, I've yeah. made so many, so many dumb on the spot choices in the open. Like I have an example play. actually, because uh, since you mentioned toast bar is I remember I was judging someone in Japan um, on an open workout from a couple of years or I guess at this point, probably four or five years ago. And the workout had, I think, sets of 15 toes to bar or something like that. I forget the exact workout because um, I've had so many open workouts. But it was the <laughs> cleans and double unders and stuff like that. And the, the athlete was like, I was asking her, I'm like, hey, how many toes to bar can you do? And she's like, most I've ever done is 10. And I was like, all right. Yeah, I made this suggestion in my video, but like I would really suggest doing singles for your toes to bar. She's like, okay, all right, singles for the toes to bar. Got it. Three, two, one, go. Unbroken toes to bar. <laughs> right. I think it was a set of 15 or 20 or something like that, but just or 30, maybe just unbroken. She right. did them all unbroken. Like was doing a couple swings in between each rep. And I'm like, ah, you know, like. Well, this is not going to fare well. And then sure enough, when she got back to the second round, it was like, couldn't even do singles. Just wheels totally fall off the bus. And then after the workout, I was like, hey, what happened? And she's like, I don't know. I started doing one and I just got all wrapped up and I didn't stop. And it's it's just crazy how quickly people's plans fall apart unless you have, unless you, unless you're like prepared for it. What, what do you think people should do to prepare? If you're preparing for the open between now and, you know, when this thing happens in February, what are one or two things people could do to start training what you're describing? Like, how would you do it? Would you use a book and track it? Would you, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. So when, I mean, I don't track, I don't use a book. I'm not saying it doesn't work for other people, but all you need to be doing to prepare for the open is at this point, we're starting to introduce like mixed modality training. Like honestly, starting in like a month from now, you want to probably be practicing lots of CrossFit open style workouts because they're the kinds of workouts that we can expect to see in the CrossFit open. Right. And making sure that you cover a litany of workouts from weaknesses into wheelhouse movements and just making sure that you're, you're comfortable, especially with a lot of the typical pairings, you know, like thrusters and pull-ups and like deadlifts, box jumps, like all these like kind of things that we've seen a lot of, um, like rowing and wall balls tends to be a combination we see. So notice those pairings and combinations and then start to practice them. Um, and then I think the best way to practice not blowing up in open style workouts is to do open style workouts. And I would just like, if you're going to track anything, I would just kind of compare your score with previous efforts that you've done on those kinds of workouts. Um, in terms of like, what would I be tracking from now until the open? Personally, I wouldn't be tracking anything, uh, but that's not to say it's like the wrong answer. It's just at this point in the season, if you're following really good programming, we should be transitioning out of like 
the strength, I mean, obviously the strength phase is done now. You should have already built a lot of strength. You should have done, you know, gymnastics, volume accumulation. Basically, you should be good at all of the things in individual parts. And now is when we start to really do more CrossFit style training. This is, and even I saw some posts that Matt Frazier had a while ago, and he does the exact same thing. He does a lot of single movement things, basically the entire season up until we get closer to the the games for him, but the open for us, um, you know, whatever your, your final playoffs are, that's when you start, you know, a couple months, a couple months out from that start to do workouts that look like the event that you should be preparing for. So that's when we're, we're doing the more CrossFit style stuff. And I understand most people's training isn't like that. Most people just do CrossFit all year round and that's great. It'll make you better at CrossFit. It's not necessarily the most optimal thing, but it will make you better at CrossFit. Um, we're early enough before the open right now where you probably could do a round of open style workouts, like maybe do um, an open workout the next few Fridays. And then uh, in let's say late January, do those same three workouts, three Fridays in a row or something like that and compare your scores. Ideally we want to start to see you getting better and more efficient because when it comes to getting a great score in the open and in these open workouts it's not just can you do the movements it's can you do the movements with a plan minimize transition times and not blow up and if you can do that and and kind of expose yourself to these kind of scenarios it's really good Uh, and then the last idea i'll throw out there is i think one of the one of the reasons people are very underprepared for the open is because they're not prepared for the pressure They're not ready to have a judge. They're not ready to uh, do it in front of a crowd. Like how many people work out in front of an actual crowd that's just watching them work out? Not many of us. So you could hypothetically organize some more open style workouts like with friends where you guys are judging each other or you're doing it in in like a a throwdown scenario where where you realize like there's eyes on you and and you're trying to all compete against each other and get the best score. Uh, But I think it's a very difficult thing to prepare for Friday night lights in the open. But if you can do the little things to simulate that amount of pressure, then maybe you won't do 15 unbroken toes of bar when the goal was to do singles. max and far more students than you do have coaches and so you can't physically go around and no rep everyone you just don't have the time and so when the open shows up it exposes a lot of weaknesses in people and so i think that tip of getting your buddy to come call you out and not give you a bro rep is a pretty good one you know yeah um another like on that note it's like i understand the I understand the need or the the desire to call competitive, like high level competitive athletes out sure. yeah. on movement standards when it comes to qualifying for competitions that are going to prevent other people from achieving their dreams. It's like when you step up to the plate at a, in a professional environment and then you're like skirting the standards in order to make it to the next level, then yeah, like that's bullshit. You should be called out on those reps and, and, you know, it, there's ways to do it tactfully and there's there's ways to do it, you know, terribly. And there's obviously some athletes who are who have blatantly like skirted the rules and used cameras that look like they're shot through potatoes. Right. You know, like we, we've we've all seen the, the shenanigans of some of the athletes who have made it to the games. But when it comes to like like I'm thinking of like my aunt. Like my aunt, one of my aunts, I have a couple aunts that go to my CrossFit gym that I originally founded and have since sold and it's been sold a couple times now. And when she steps up to do 
CrossFit open workout 22.1, and let's say there's wall balls in it. If her judge no reps her, my 64-year-old aunt for not getting full depth on her wall balls and like it's that's not helping <laughs> right it doesn't help anyone and i've seen plenty of gyms where you just you have the athlete we're just like hey we're just glad you're here so every every single one of those reps no matter how time how many times we've explained that you can't bend your knees um, you know, or you can't have your knees bent on the lockout of a push press. Okay. No matter how many times we explain that, Hey, you're here and those are good reps for you. And we're going to count them. Right. I think that's totally fine for the, for a very large majority of athletes who, who are, they're not there to compete. They've been just told that they should compete by their gym owner. They're there to have fun. I think bringing a bunch of no reps into their life and telling them that, Nope, sorry, you can't do this. Like these wall balls at 64 years old, they're just not going to cut it. Right. Right. Um, I, so I, I very much think there's a, there's a delicate balance here. Some people absolutely deserve to be called out on their reps because they know better sure. right? yeah. and they deserve to be slapped on the wrist. But then there's an overall majority of athletes. It's like, Hey, we're happier here and let's, let's have some fun and compete. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely not advocating trying to take a shortcut on reps either. Like I think if, if uh, my point is just you have someone else watch you, for one, I think you should be like my coach. Uh, I was here for CrossFit a week ago. I don't even remember the workout was, but it was and I think it was 12 balls. And I knew he was the video. I saw him with the camera, you know. And he got him by the way. They didn't put that as a around the camera. And you hear the video. There's nothing you can do about it. You should be work out. All right, well, I'm just going to see this. But I just want to play. And, um, and so I just later. And I look at him. And I knew I was being videoed. So I was quite like, I was, dude, I was trying to get below parallel. Like I was working it, you know, and you see the video and you're like, all right, well, I guess I got to work on that, you know, Yeah. and figure out why. And I think that's why it's important though. Like you'd rather be right and make sure you know what you're doing, particularly going into open. Cause there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than getting a no rep in the open, man. That's mentally debilitating. And, you know, kind of back to the point, of why it's important to have um, someone watching you. You know, you were talking about making those mental errors or being mentally tough. Like that's something you'll be practicing. If your buddy's going no rep and you know, you're trying to do 50 wall balls and now you're like, God damn it. Now I got to do, do another rep. No, like, you'd rather do it in practice in the open. Trust me. Cause I've had plenty of opens where I've had, had a coach once called no rep four times in a row. And I mean, it just blew up my entire workout. Like mentally I was yep. done. I wasn't prepared for that moment. I mean, I've seen, I've seen games athletes crumble with no reps, right? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've all seen it. So that is absolutely something to prepare for. I mean, heck if you're like, I, I personally have really enjoyed no repping myself for any movement. That's even remotely like, man, I don't know about that one. Like I'll no rep myself. Like, there was a workout the other day. I forget the specifics of it, but um, I was going head to head with a couple people in the gym and they were, they were crushing it. And I was like, I know I can keep up and I can probably pass them and beat them. But there was one round where like I miscounted and I know that I miscounted and I like ended on the wrong hand and like started my box jumps. And I was just like, Nope, that's wrong. So like I stopped, backtracked, went back to that dumbbell, did like two more snatches or three or something like that, just to make sure I had my reps covered might've done an extra two. I don't know. And then started from the beginning on the box jumps. And it was like, and then they did both, you know, they all passed me. Right. But I, I really, really have tried to, to notice, and it's a very difficult thing to do, but notice when I say eh, good enough, because anytime I'm saying eh, good enough, it's not helping me at all. It's only going to hurt me in the future. So lately I've been like, not good enough, no rep, do it again, or like try it again. And that has helped me really focus on like having high quality movement because for anyone listening, that's like trying to get good open scores, high quality movement is, mm -hmm. is absolutely key to making sure that your scores actually stand the scrutiny that they might deserve. If you're trying to, you know, beat everyone in the gym or, or qualify for the next level, then you need to make sure that 
that your training can stand up to the actual open standards. You know, that's another really, really good point you bring up though, Ben, about, you know, you're in the workout, you did your reps, you go to the box jumps, you think, Oh, I might've forgotten a couple. So I got to go back. Now that, that was an intentional thought by you. So mm-hmm. imagine how many times then where you actually didn't do enough reps and didn't realize it <laughs> so much, all of us, like on Instagram the other day, I posted something like it was terrible. Like honestly, it was like some DT thing that I did at uh, CrossFit Coda competition class, and I like I filmed one round, and I filmed the one round, and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, nope, I didn't do enough deadlifts. I'm pretty sure I did one extra push press. <laughs> like I, I don't think I did enough hang power cleans. Like what the who? How bad am I accounting? Wad math um, is hard, dude. It's really hard. So imagine like how often that happens. That's yeah. why you need a buddy there counting for you. Double unders are the worst. They oh, are those, the worst. those are easy for me. Those are so easy. Oh no, that, I always find them to be the worst. Like you, you know, first of all, you don't ever count the first one. Come on, like you give yourself credit for the first one, even though you go under twice. And the same for the last one. I hit the front of your feet, it still counts. You know, like that's the way most people think. And if you trip a couple of times, now you're picking up a couple extra reps too. Like that's normal, I think, for most people in a workout. Just being honest, it probably is. Maybe I'm full of shit, but I think it probably is. The point and it well, unintentionally it's probably, you're probably normal. full of shit and it probably is. So it's probably well normal. look, I just mean it's probably it's unintentionally normal. And so my point is, is when you get into the open and you have someone there counting your double unders and you gotta go to fifty, you know, it's a true fifty, not the not the yeah. forty two you've been doing. Yeah, and, and I would argue there's a lot of I mean Judge people who judge double unders are like I remember an open workout, uh, and of course I videoed it too. But it was actually from a couple of years ago, I think, or maybe even last year, wherever the one, no, not last year, the one before. Um, and I videoed it and it was actually my ex-wife, I think, counting my double unders. And I'd, I'd get to the rep, I'd get to whatever, how many reps we were supposed to do. And I'd look at her and be like, I'm done now. And I'm, I'm just still going. Right. And then she'd be like, no, you're not. Now you're done. And then I showed her the video and she made me do like 10 extra reps every single round. And I'm like, you really kind of killed my mm-hmm. score here. Yeah. Now we all know why you're single again. And now she's Max. What? No, I'm just <laughs> what, uh, what movements do you think are going to come up in this year's open that we either haven't seen or that maybe we'll get a repeat of this year based on, you know, this is year two for Boz. All right. I'd say let's maybe focus on, because in terms of, we'll start with the easy stuff. Um, stuff we're going to see again are most likely all of the ones that we've seen in the past. And of course, Uh, We have an article about this somewhere on the internet. If you just do like wad prep open movements, we actually statistically break down like how many opens have various movements been a part of. So like double unders, a hundred percent. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think deadlifts, you know, in terms of skills, there's going to be chest to bar pull-ups for sure. Toes to bar for sure. Like there will be all of the normal stuff. Okay. They're, they're like, very rarely is like a cornerstone movement left out of the open, like cleans or some sort of snatch or overhead squat. Like it's, it's kind of rare that they're left out. Now, granted that there's only three weeks worth of the open. There's less, you know, there's less chance that all of them will be in there compared to one of those five weeks. I think movements that we will probably see again that haven't necessarily been commonplace. I would not be surprised if wall walks are, in the open again, simply because it's a very, very easy movement to judge. And it's a difficult movement to do, but it's also highly scalable. I love it as an open, open movement. So I think uh, wall walks will be in the open again. Um, In terms of other movements that are potentially rare and haven't showed up, I mean, pistols, it's a disaster to judge, but I think, I think like we've seen in a couple of years past now adding uh, like, as you get deeper into the workout, making the skills harder is something that we saw at the final workout of last year. Cause it, what did it do? It started with, I think it started with uh, chin over bar pull-ups and then it was chest to bar and then bar yeah. muscle ups. Um, I think we're going to see maybe some more workouts like that where the deeper you get into the workout, the more difficult a movement is. So potentially we could see a workout that has like, you know, uh, air squats, overhead squats or something like that. And then pistols, 
um, or, or some some sort of progression where where the movements are getting more difficult could have again uh, we've had a workout where it was like I think it had maybe kipping handstand push-ups. So we might see like kipping handstand push-ups, strict handstand push-ups, handstand walks, like that kind of like progressive difficulty in movement. Um, so that's, that's kind of all I have. I know I was predicting, I, I was calling bar muscle-ups for a couple of years there. And then they finally showed up. I was calling um, pistols for a couple of years and then they showed up handstand walks and then they showed up. I'm not necessarily sure what is going to show up this year. That's brand new. Um, devil's press, probably single arm devil's press would be one that I, I think they might throw into the, to the thing because we've never seen a devil's press, yeah. whether that's a double dumbbell or a single dumbbell. But I think that could be one that, that makes an appearance. I think now that the judging is done in the affiliates, you know, in years past, anyone could get the, or, you know, at least last year, anybody could get the judge past the judges course and judge people off site. And now you have to be judged on site. Um, oh, did they move back to being on site? Yep. Which is great for the affiliates. My opinion. They're um, hopping back and forth. Well, but here's the point though. Yeah. It's great for the affiliates for yeah, sure. I like, it. I like um, it. I think you'd be dumb to not be working on rowing because now that it's back in the affiliates, it puts the rowers in play. And that's why it wouldn't have been in place in, you know, if you could do it offsite, cause not everybody owned a rower, you know, if you're making it more accessible, but if you have to do on site, rowers are in play. So work on your cardio. Uh, I think, I think you're smart about the wall walks. I think we'll see those again. I, three years in a row makes sense to me to give you some real data as to how much better people got at it. The, the one movement I think we could possibly see that we've never seen in the open but could show up because they've been teasing it and doing it in other events is wall-facing handstand push-ups. Sure. Yep, that could be that could be like one of those, uh, you know, where it's like traditional handstand push-ups, wall-facing handstand push-ups, and then a handstand walk. Yeah. Um, I think you, that could be thrown in. Yeah, you do traditional where you can kip, uh, second one strict or at a deficit, third one's wall facing, you know, yep. like something, it could be any of those, but mm-hmm. it would not shock me to see wall facing. And admittedly, I've not even tried one. So I'm now I'm yep. saying a lot. I probably need to go practice them at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if we see single unders either. Like, yeah. uh, like seeing how poorly the athletes performed on single unders was hilarious. Yeah. Um, here's a big, big tip for everyone. And obviously we share this in our new double under pro course, <laughs> but if you're trying to go really fast in single unders, do alternating steps. Do not do just double footed steps. Do alternating like running in place steps. You can go like three times faster. So there's a one per pro tip. Um, and then I wouldn't be surprised if maybe something like a double under crossover or, or just a crossover is thrown in there. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I could see an open workout again where you have this progression of skills where it's like first round single unders. My God, everyone would be so excited because they could RX it, right? That would everyone would be so happy. And then maybe the next round is double unders. And then maybe the next round is double under crossovers or triple unders or something like along those lines. So I, I really think that we're going to see at least one of the three workouts will have some sort of progression of skills and load. See, I wasn't having any open anxiety until now, but now that you're mentioning all these movements I haven't been working on, I'm starting to feel stressed. We did see in the open a few years ago when it was a five-week open. I think it was during a five-week open. Uh, they did uh, handstand walks, and we've not done those in a few years. Mm-hmm. Also something I've not been working on that I can't do them yeah. anyway. I think last year, I mean, I guess last year maybe – Still, due to COVID, they were like prioritizing being able to yeah. do most things in a confined yep. space. Like I think a home gym. But if if we're moving to the affiliate, kind of promoting the affiliate thing, then maybe they will open back up the twenty five foot floor space distance thing. And if they do that, then handstand walks, overhead lunges, all back on the table. Yeah, I always struggle. Like, you know, I'm not going to tell Boz or anybody else how to program the open. I personally just always want to see the open as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. And I always hate that feeling for, you know, newer CrossFitters. They get to, you know, they pay 20 bucks for three weeks. And in week three, there's a movement they can't do at all. And I understand Mm -hmm. the concept that we'll just get better, work harder, blah, blah, blah. 
but I think it keeps people from wanting to sign up the next year. I'd like to see the open as accessible as possible and then make quarterfinals as hard as you want. I, I, I agree for, for the most part, I think, I mean, the quarterfinals is where they do pull out all the stops. Um, and I just conveniently just barely missed it last year. (laughs) And I had no pressure to do the workouts and I just went snowboarding and said it was fantastic. Um, but I, I, I think both equipment and skill level, I think equipment might be even more of a limiting factor than, than skill level and abilities, right? Like, so if they first open workout of the year, they do something that has rowing in it. It's like, well, shoot, there goes everyone's chance. Who was going to try to play around in the open, um, that do a lot of their stuff in the garage gym. If they haven't purchased a rower yet, then right. they're kind of screwed. Right. So I, I loved the last year's, you know, double unders and wall walks. It's a great start for the open. Although admittedly, the double unders kicked a lot of people in the butt. Yep. So again, I, I, I hope that Boz has some sort of progression in the workouts. Um, but if not, then scaling is okay, right? People can scale down and that's why there is a scale division. So, um, and that's actually why there was a, there was like a foundations division, right? Mm-hmm. There was one that was like yeah. even more beginner and you could use like household objects to do that. So um, they have made it really accessible. So hopefully that, that trend continues. Well, one thing that's you know, certain about Boz is he's a traditionalist, a traditional CrossFitter. And you even saw it in the in uh, the games when they're doing pirouettes. Like, you know, he does stuff that has been around in CrossFit for decades, you know. And so I, I think we'll get a very – I hope, but I also think we'll get a very traditional CrossFit Open. Not a lot of crazy stuff. You might see something new, but it, w- it won't be nuts. Uh, last couple of questions. Uh, first one's just for you, Ben. Uh, do you get signed up for the gauntlet, Wadapalooza? I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure Savannah is doing that. She texted me right before we started. She's not doing it. She's not. She she texted me too. She just wanted to make sure we were doing it at the same time. She's got some event on Sunday. And that's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure she just registered for me because she's like, they're on sale. Do you want me to just because she has access to the company credit cards? And I'm like, yeah, just do it. <laughs> So I think, yes, I think I am registered, which is terrifying because I'm I like, you are like dialed nutrition. You're like focused. You're doing gauntlet style workouts. I am like not <laughs> any of that, but uh, it's good. It's like it, the fact that there's a little bit of pressure now, I'm like, oh man, I need to start training more. Well, so first of all, you and I are going to be in the different divisions, so it isn't going to matter. Um, yeah, it'll still matter though. I mean, we're still going to, there's still going to be certain elements of the divisions that I'm sure are exactly the same because mm-hmm. it's very scalable. And I fully, you know, when there's rowing or wall balls or bike, then I'll just let you win and that's fine. Okay. Well, for everyone listening, we're going to be doing it Thursday between the hours of three and six. I don't know what our heat times will be yet, Hopefully. but Hopefully. those are the, those are the blocks we signed up for. Cool. Uh, and then assuming either one of us makes the finals, you go again on Sunday. So I don't think there's any chance. I, of that. Almost, I almost made it last year to Did the you? finals, and then, I, and then I didn't. And then we just had a great, great morning the next month. <laughs> I uh, I chose the scale division specifically because when they uh, announced the weights, the um, the heaviest weight announced in the intermediate intermediate division was above my one rep max for the clean, and I'm like, I want to be com- like. I don't want to sandbag, but I also want to be competitive. Like I don't want to go in and and not be able to do something. Just stand there. What divisions were there? Intermediate, scaled, and or scaled is the the lowest one, or you know, however you want to describe it, easiest, whatever. I'm in it, so I'm calling it the easiest. Then there's intermediate and uh, the RX or elite division. There's an elite division? Whatever. The the strongest RX, division. Okay. You're going to be in the top division. I'm going to be in the bottom. Well, I don't know, dude. Intermediate kind of sounds really nice now that you mention it. Yeah. Well, maybe you should do that. But yeah. Well, then, I'll, then I'll, it'll all be cardio ninjas. and I'll get my I, What I will say, uh, what I wasn't counting on that was on the list of movements was rope climbs. I wasn't. Oh, cool. I didn't think there'd be rope climbs, but they were like, hey, you got to plan for 12-foot rope climbs in the scale division and 15-foot in the – intermediate and in the what else were there was uh, there anything else that they they just had listed weights for snatches clean and jerks that sort of thing um okay. and i was mostly looking when i was choosing divisions i was mostly looking for their movements i can't do mm-hmm. and if they were if like as an example of handstand walks or in one of the divisions that would put i would push myself into a different division because i can't do handstand walks 
Mm-hmm. And so that was yeah. kind of my defining moment. And then when I looked at the intermediate, the weights were just too heavy, mm-hmm. you know, okay. and just doesn't make sense to train for an hour workout and have, you know, potentially two or three of the stations where you're standing there staring at the barbell like a dumbass, you know, like it's not the point of it. Yeah. So we'll sure. see. Should be fun though. I'm excited. I'm not well, I'm sure you're going to crush it. And now I have, you know, looming pressure ahead to make sure I don't embarrass myself. So I, I guess I need to, I need to start stepping up and training more. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to crush it. I'm just, I just want to be the best I can be, whether I do well or not. I don't know. I just want to be the best I can be, but where I am going to be crushing it is the after party <laughs> or the uh, cocktail party. We're going to throw over at uh, downtown strength on Saturday night. I don't have the time yet. I'm waiting for them to tell me when we can have it. Uh, but Wait, who's throwing that? Are we throwing that? No, it's me and Nikki, but you're invited because we love you. So, All right, it's my party too. I'm inviting so many people. That's fine. That's fine. But they're not to register. So once I get uh, the registration uh, link together, we're going to release it to everyone. And because there's only so much space in this gym. Cool. Uh, but it'll be fun. And your girl Danny's going to be there. Danny Spiegel's coming. So cool. Well, be fun. Daniel Brandon's my girl. Let's be uh, clear here. Well, she plays pickleball. So we're destined to become uh, elite level mixed doubles partners. But right, she well, I'll, I'll doesn't invite, know it yet. I'll invite her too. It'll be fine. All right. Cool. Uh, last question. We actually had a question that came into the Q and A, uh, or came to me via Q and A from Justine, who was on the show last week or, or two weeks ago. She wants to know the best Black Friday purchase you made. Did you make any this year? Did you buy anything? Ooh, no, because I was hunting all day. Nothing. You haven't bought anything for the holiday season yet. I have not bought a single thing. I did start making a Christmas list to send to my family, and I did start considering what I could purchase my family members. So, well, I'm in the same boat. I, I haven't made any Black Friday purchases. Uh, I did buy a few weeks ago the Apple Watch Elite Ultra. I called it Elite oh. Ultra. It's awesome. Cool. It's so yeah. good. I'm, I'm. What's the battery life like on it? Um, 36 hours. Okay. Which is pretty good for an Apple Watch, uh, mm-hmm. but it charges real quick. Like that was always my problem with Apple Watches. I thought their battery life sucked, and I didn't really like what they do. But this one's like super heavy duty. So it'll stand up to workouts. Like I don't worry about it in the gym. It has a button on the side that you can program. Like I think they call it an action button and you can program it to do whatever you want. And so I have it programmed when I press it, it immediately starts my workout, which which is cool. So I can get my track, my workouts. And then it does all the same stuff. All the other trackers do, you know, sleep tracking, heart Mm -hmm. rate, all that jazz. Um, and I like it because it'll actually tell you what zone you're in. So like today I did zone two training and it'll tell you exactly when you hit zone two. Hmm. And and if you're in zone three, like it'll peg it while you're doing it. So that's kind of a nice feature. You know? That is exciting. And that was a Black Friday purchase? No, I got it. And I was uh, too anxious and I bought it before Black Friday. But I hear they're on sale. <laughs> I, I hear you can get them. So like, did, what did you buy on Black Friday? You're doing a terrible job at answering Justin's question. No, that's what I said. I didn't buy. I was in the same boat as you. I didn't buy anything. I bought this right before Black Friday. And my daughter came to town. And I haven't done much shopping. But the only thing I've bought in the last week or so was uh, cold medicine and alcohol in that nice. order. <laughs> so You know what? What's interesting is like I, I've, I think I don't let myself get wrapped up in the deals even though obviously as a company, like we make some of our, we like promote some of our best right. deals. Like right now we're doing a big cyber Monday deal for our programming because a lot of people like they really get motivated by this, this fear of missing out. And for me, I do too. So I don't even let myself like really look at all the deals. Like I want to buy myself some like really ridiculously expensive binoculars. And there's a bunch of stuff I want to buy for my family, like all this stuff. And I'm, I fully am aware that I will pay full price and it's going to probably make me spend less because if I get wrapped up right now in like all these deals that are going away, I'll be like, Oh my God, a laptop is $800 off. Ah, I need a new laptop. Boom. It's just like, for me, it's just like, nah, dude, I'll just pay full price. (laughs) So it helps helps me buy less. I think. Yeah. I've, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I've spent a lot of money recently, so I'm going to try not to I'm gonna try not to spend a lot this year at Christmas if I can help it. Not to mention I got another semester tuition to pay for, for my kid. So. Yeah. Well, I, I did get Wadapalooza tickets apparently for Cyber Monday. So. Oh, don't get me stewed. 
Don't get me started on this whole. I'm so now. I'm, all right, now I'm started. I'm all pissed off at Wadapalooza. A couple of weeks ago, they have these tiers where you yeah, buy your yeah. tickets. Buy your tickets to these tiers is the cheapest price. And then on Black Friday, they run a Black Friday sale that's cheaper than what I paid in their early pricing tiers. I'm like, why have Wait, an early? Really? Pri- yes. I'm like, how <laughs> shitty is that? That you have an early pricing tier that you advertise as this is the cheapest price. You have to buy now to get the I- cheapest price. And then three or four weeks later, Black Friday rolls around. You run a cheaper price than that. That's frustrating. That's something that we've never done. We've 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 we pay very close attention to our verbiage of like whenever we release a course, if it's the lowest it's ever going to be, then we make sure it's the lowest it's ever going to be. Uh, that is because the it's whole tiered pricing model works is. really well to sell out events. But tiered pricing models, and then like, ha, it's Black Friday or it's Cyber Monday. Oh. Yikes, dude! I was so annoyed. And I'm getting a bunch of support tickets. And I look, I paid for all this stuff. I paid for my tickets to get in the game to get into Wadapalooza. I paid for the gauntlet. Like I'm not asking for any of this stuff for free. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing any of this stuff because they're patting me on the back and saying, "Hey, come do this. We'll give you free tickets." I'm paying for all of it. So, I mean, man, but if I'm going to do that, don't screw me over on the pricing too. Like this, and that's they're screwing everybody over on that. It's just dumb. Yeah. You know? So well, John. Um, we need to work on getting media passes so we don't have to wait in line next year or this well, year. Ironically, like- I got a media pass. It's not a media pass. I got a podcast pass. So if we want to do the podcast there, we can, and we would have had free tickets to get in, but nobody told me that I already bought them at apparently 15% too high. So dang dude, <laughs> it's all good. It's well, all good. make sure I get the pass too. Cause I'm pretty sure last time I showed up and mentioned my name, I'm like, Oh, I'm with John. And they're like, yeah, no, he only put his name down. So mm-hmm. you don't get any. Yeah. Well, it's because I'm the famous one. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want a podcast there, let me know. I can, uh, yeah. I can get hooked Let's up. Let's do it. The audio was fantastic. Uh, it was a great experience. They, apparently, they have a much better stage this year. Okay. So they say. Yeah. All right. I'm down. All right. Anything else with you? Anything else you want to talk about? I think that's about it. I'm just, yeah, I'm home for a few weeks, so I'm excited to actually get some training done I, I keep falling into this pattern where man like i was planning to work out at 3 p.m today and then something popped up I had someone come try to fix my house heater so it's just like i just realized i have to train in the morning or else i just don't train at all so tomorrow morning i better get my butt up and and hit the gym i hear you that's i think finding a regular uh time to train is important Yep, it's got a 6.30 a.m. That's gonna. I think that's going to be my sweet spot, and I just need to make it happen. But I also try to always get my eight eight full hours of sleep, which I've done very well out the last two nights. So yeah. if I can somehow check both of those boxes, that that is the key. There you go. That is the key. All right. Well, do you want me to give you a wake-up call tomorrow morning? I'll be yes, up. Yes, please. So, I mean, yep. two hours earlier here, so I can call you at Yeah, eight, the only issue is my, my phone is never in my room, so I – I wouldn't get it. But How do you sure. live that way? How do you get up in the middle of the night and check memes and stuff? <laughs> I just don't. I, no? My room is literally a bed yeah. and blackout curtains. That's it. And it and also uh, an, a bed air conditioner and uh, an air filter and an alarm clock. I have an actual alarm clock that I set outside of my room. And I ha- if I get up and get to it, I am not allowed to go back in bed. So. Yeah. I have this way more than I need to know about your bedroom, but thank you for that. That was good. Yeah, no problem, man. All right. Well, guys, thanks to everyone to, for listening. Uh, we'll give you an update on uh, Ben's sleep schedule and his workout schedule next week. Uh, <laughs> until then, have a great week. We'll chat with you guys soon. Peace.